And now, here's your host, Alessandra Torresani. I just have to tell you, first and foremost, the fact that you reached out to me meant the world to me. Honestly, I said, I, I sound ridiculous already, but I'm, I'm tongue-tied because I, you know, came out with that People Magazine article and I literally had no idea if anyone was going to read it or if anyone would care, if anyone would relate to it. There was such a fear inside me before I even, before it came out that I was like, oh, I'm going to look like a complete narcissist that's just like, this is my story. No one's been through what I've been through. And I didn't want that at all. I was just trying to talk about my journey of going through a pregnancy, living with a mental illness and being off my medication and why I chose that or why I didn't mm-hmm. choose, you know, certain things. And I was afraid there was going to be judgment and that there was going to be criticism. And then also I was afraid that no one would give a fuck. <laughs> like, it was like, <laughs> literally I was dealing with like, the the worst case scenario on every side. Um, so when you reached out to me, and then a lot of people actually reached out, like a lot, a lot of women, and I did not expect that, um, who not only felt heard, but had their own story that they wanted to share. I was like, mm-hmm. please come on the podcast because that is what this whole season is completely dedicated to. It's dedicated to maternal mental health awareness. And Mm -hmm. I just am so excited. So Kelly, welcome. Kelly Kitley is here and coming all the way from Chicago, which everyone knows on the pod. I love Chicago because my mom is from Chicago. So only the best Midwesterners get to come on here. (laughs) Absolutely. Hey, (laughs) Chicago native, Midwest proud. Oh, I love it. Well, Kelly, please, can you just share with everyone, you know, on the Emotion I'll Support, you know, podcast, you know, what is your backstory and and why was this, why was this article like super important for you to want to, to share? I know that you're an author as well. And, and I'd said as well, like as if I'm an author, I'm not an author, but you are an <laughs> author, like as well as other things that you do. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Well, you know, I do believe it's so serendipitous and that's the name of my business that we're talking because it was a Monday. I have four kids. I was at the grocery store as everybody's talking about how expensive grocery prices are and People Magazine is so expensive. Right, right. (laughs) In in comparison to Mac. I mean, just, I I think I still live in the 80s. Also, on a side note, it's half the size that it used to be. Oh, Exactly. Exactly. And it there is, was a paper was, shortage during the, they, they wrote me and they're like, we're so sorry. It was supposed to be X, Y, and Z. There's a paper shortage in America right now. And I was like, excuse me, what? Like, what do you mean? There's a paper shortage. Like, this is wild. And, you know, I mean, I was, I was standing in line and I saw the cover of People Magazine and I picked it up and Selma. Blair, Selma Blair. No. Yes. Was talking Selma about Blair, MS. Yeah. And it said recovery and addiction or something like that. I can't remember. But I was like, oh, I relate to that. Let's pick it up. And I've been seeing a lot of her story. And I just love when people have large platforms and they're talking about mental health. Oh, absolutely. Because it helps to destigmatize. Absolutely. And, you know, this is the season of lots of sports and activities for our kids. So I got the magazine. I took my daughter to 
softball and I'm sitting in the car and I'm looking through it and I come across the article that featured you in it. And I was like, thank you. Talking about women, pregnant women and medication and mental health and was just floored because I, I, kudos to people for being willing to take on something like that. That is taboo sometimes people have responses to. Um, so I always knew I wanted to be a social worker and have been a psychotherapist for 20 years. And I'm a mom with four kids and four. Uh, oh my wife. gosh. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. They're older. They're older now. So this is really, you know, a timely piece just in terms of how much we've grown as a mental health community right. in terms of treating women who are pregnant and postpartum right. and, um, you know, my youngest is 10 and I experience postpartum anxiety and panic with each one of my kids. Wow. Um, and I have a history of trauma, depression, anxiety. So I wasn't surprised. Right. But the medication piece really stuck to me because now I work with lots of women who take medication during mm. pregnancy and educate them about that, where I was of the thinking because I would get mixed messages from my OBGYN and my pediatrician. Right what's best for the baby? What's best for mom? And I would be like, I can't take meds until I stop nursing because it will get into my baby and that's not healthy. And and it was torture. So I self-medicated with alcohol. That was my antidepressant. Fun. That actually made me more depressed. Yeah, of course. I I was about to say (laughs) uh, addiction runs very deep in my family. And, and, you know, if it still worked for a lot of them, it would be great. But when it Stops working. Wow. Does it stop working? (laughs) You know, it stops working and it's time for a change. So yeah. Wow. Wow. And what has been your whole like thought process on as, as you have your clients now and you're seeing women who, and you've had your own experience, right. And you've been through this and, Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. I take it that you, you are sober now or maybe not, but, but you've been through. I am. Yep. Okay. Sober. Best I've ever felt. Wow. Mentally, spiritually, cycle. Yes. Yes. I'm oh my gosh. Congratulations. Yeah. That is so fantastic. That really, I just, the the program and, and, and sobriety and everything, it runs very deep in my family. So I really appreciate mm-hmm. people sharing that. And I, I just, I love that. Mm-hmm. So congratulations. Thank That's you. So exciting. Thank you. It's such a co- an accomplishment. It's like so badass. Um, but it must be <laughs> so strange for you that you experienced four pregnancies, that you had the postpartum anxiety that went along with it. And yes, I think that, I I, have so, I mean, I have so many questions for you, like A, for a personal, like for me learning and, and B, like just in general for the podcast. But what, you know, what was it like for you? Like, let's go back, right? When you had your first baby, even sure. though you knew that you may have, you know, or that you did have mental health, you know, situations going on in your life, right? And you knew like, hey, situations, situations, right? I had some mental health situations. I got some situations (laughs) that I had to deal with. Um, But because I'll use me as an example as well, like living with bipolar disorder, like I'm aware of these things that I have. So I'm aware that I have a higher risk of postpartum depression, of postpartum mood and anxiety disorder. I'm totally clear on that. Still does not make it not scary as shit. You know, and still doesn't, you know, make it like, wow, I can prepare all I want. But at the end of the day, it's like, it's happening. Like, it's happening. It's happening. What do I do? You know, 
what did you do since, you know, now it's been X amount of years back then that you would maybe do differently now in regards to maybe preparing yourself for the thoughts of possibly having postpartum? Or what are things that you did to kind of overcome the anxiety disorder that that came along with it? Well, you know, our oldest is 16 now and when and we lived in Santa Monica and oh my god down the street <laughs> California is so progressive sure and so there were a lot of resources yeah. and you know all natural and homeopathic ways to like just be your best self and so um I felt like well yeah this makes sense we have no family around right. I'm feeling really isolated I wasn't working you know we were struggling financially okay this makes sense that I'm I'm struggling right right but then you know I think a lot of times women perceive any kind of postpartum mood disorder like once they're through the first 2 weeks or the first 3 months like they're clear and yeah. when it starts creeping up later I mean I see women who are 9 months postpartum who are like right it's just, it's hitting me now. So we right. say like up into a year, up until a year after having a baby is considered any kind of mood disorder, you know, if it follows the proper diagnostic criteria. But absolutely today in hindsight, right? Like sometimes when my sister just had a baby with her wife and I was like, oh, I want to redo. <laughs> like, You're like, I want to you try know, it. <laughs> I know so <laughs> much now. Yeah. I know. And I was my worst enemy. You know, I knew what I needed, but I was like, I can get through this. And I would have gone on medication during pregnancy instead of, oh, we're trying to get pregnant. I'm going to go off my medication. Right. Um, and during my pregnancy, I felt really good. Right. But it was after that I could have proactively prepared right. and taken the medication during pregnancy to avoid those six months of hell. Right. Right. You know, right. I waited and I decided ultimately to stop nursing so that I could go back on my medication. And I really could have done both. <laughs> yeah, you could have done both. And what was the medication that was so that made you so fearful of being on it at the time? Like not even the specific, but was it for more of like an antidepressant? Was it for bipolar? Was it for borderline? Like what? Because I think that that's the other thing, yeah. right? Like antidepressants now, everyone's on them. Like when they're pregnant, it's not even a thought. Right. Right. You know, yeah. Well, Prozac has worked well for me since yeah. I was first on it when I was 16. Um, when I was being treated for an eating disorder was initially when I started medication and it worked really well. And right. what happens to me and what happens for a lot of people, it's like, I'm feeling so great. I think I'm going to go off my medication right? or say to my I doctor, got it. I'm feeling great. Yeah. And then it's like, well, motherfucker, the reason you feel so good is because the medication's working. Oh my God, it's so true. It's so true. I, I know. And I feel like, yeah. you know, a lot of people, men, women, wh wh whomever, you know, I think that we forget that feeling, right? Of like, when you are feeling good, you have to remember what is the difference, right? You have to write down like, what am I doing different in my life? Is it my diet? Is it the medication that I'm on? Is it the people that I'm yeah. surrounding myself with? Like, what is it? And then you can go, okay, you know what? I'm not, it, it can't possibly be the medication at this point. Like it's gotta be X, Y, and Z, but you have to evaluate before you just jump off because that was the scariest thing for me is I was not off all, I was not off my bipolar medication for 13 years so this was the first time that not only was I off it in 13 years, 
but it was the first time my husband ever met me, <laughs> re-met me as um, someone who was off medication, you know? So mm -hmm. it was something that it was not, and I was not one of those people where I was feeling so good at the beginning of my diagnosis, like 13 years ago, where I was like, I'm feeling good. I want to get off. I was so controlling and almost like almost OCD about it, where I was like, mm -hmm. I know that this is the only thing that's making me feel better. I cannot get off. You know, I never really fluctuated. There was one time that I fluctuated and it was because of long story, but it was because an ex like basically had convinced me to get off my medication. Um, oh, nice. In an abusive tactic, but that's okay. That's neither here nor there. Um, but but it was more of that, like opposed to my own self wanting to change that, you know, and wanting to change the medication. Mm -hmm. And so it was really terrifying because not only did I know not know what I was going to be like off the medication, but I didn't know what my husband would think, you know, if I had a manic episode. Like he'd never seen. Sure, uh, he's seen. Trust me, the anger doesn't go away. The frustration doesn't go away. The mania does not 100% go away, but there's the extreme mm -hmm. levels that he was never aware of before. Um, and then you throw hormones into it with a pregnancy and it's like just a, a real fun time, you know? Um, oh my God, a real fun time. Um, but what was, what did you do? Like after you had your first child and then you dealt with the, you know, postpartum anxiety and you were aware of everything, going into your second child, were you fearful of experiencing that again? Or you're like, oh, I got this. I, I've been through it. It can't possibly happen again. No, I was like, what are the chances? And right. I had gestational diabetes with oh, wow. And so I had a whole nother thing to think about. Like, what was I eating? Shots of insulin. You know, was I moving my body? So I was hyper-focused on just whole, like physical health right. that I didn't think about that. Right. And then she was born and had colic. So she was worse than the first one. Wow. And look, I mean, you you talk about something really great in terms of it's a multitude of things for treatment, right? It's not just the medication. And then I was like, oh, I feel so much better. This is right. great. That is just a piece of it. And what was happening was I was trying yoga, meditation, walking, connecting with people. None of it was working. That mm -hmm. was when I was like, okay, I think I need to revisit the medication. Component. Yeah. Yeah. So I think even though, and I'm a trained professional, I know what anxiety and panic look like, but when you're in it, for some reason, it feels different. <laughs> well, no, that's I what feel. I was going to say too. I mean, it must be even more, you know, it's interesting because I've been working with a bunch of different doctors and specialists, you know, from psychiatrists to psychoanalysts to psychotherapists to blah, 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 blah all, all, all the, uh -huh. all the fun stuff, you know, <laughs> and a lot of them that I've been working with as well have either lived with bipolar disorder specifically, or, mm -hmm. you know, new ones in my life who have had pregnancies as well, and then have been off their medication and on their medication. And they all say the same thing. Like, it doesn't matter that they're the professionals and they know what to say to someone when it's your own experience, you're just, you're so overly cautious and so nervous about every single like detail in a pregnancy mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that you don't want to rock the boat like at all. You know, you just, you right. don't want to rock the right. boat. So it's not a surprise mm -hmm. to me that just because you're a professional means that you're going to know, you know, what's, what's the best thing because you're in your own head, right? It's like, you have to get outside of your head. Right. And I, I mean, so much of my internal dialogue was, oh, this is normal that, you know, yeah. I just had a baby. This is hard. My kids are close in age. You know, yeah. I rationalized everything and kept thinking like this will get better. And, 
And I did. It makes no sense to me. I was afraid to take medication that would get through my breast milk to my baby, but I was fine drinking wine and vodka. Right, right. No, but that's what's so, that's what I'm like so curious about. Like, also, why was it, why was it a fear for your, for you, like personally? Like, was Mm -hmm. there any rhyme or reason to it? Or it was just like, oh, no, 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 I'm just, I, I, you just don't do medication because it's something that was a stigma and you were told that. Sure. It was definitely a stigma, but I also feel like nobody ever, I had to ask my doctors for it. You know, it was like, I had to be very proactive. Nobody said to me, you know, not even my husband. I think he thought it was normal too. Like, oh gosh, this is what having a baby is like, you know, the crying and the irritability and the short fuse and the overthinking everything. There was no rationale as to like, I didn't think my baby was going to be deformed or poor brain chemistry or whatever. It was just like medication is bad. Right. And you only use it if you're in crisis, because that was when initially I went on it. Right. So I thought I was so much better. And it wasn't until four times, you know, that I was like, I went on the medication earlier and earlier, but, you know, I still struggled. You still struggled. And then did you find that? So when did you go back on the medication for your third or fourth child? Still after they were born. I felt great during pregnancy. It was always like two to six weeks postpartum that. It's so interesting you say that you felt great during pregnancy because there's a lot of studies that I have read that I have talked about with other people where almost like your mind tricks your body or your body tricks your mind. I'm like, which way does it work? It's Mm -hmm. basically like Mm -hmm. trickery. Like there's like a witch inside basically that's like (laughs) like fixing things and basically convinces you that you're okay for the baby's sake. Like your brain is like on fight or flight mode. Like not, Mm -hmm. I don't want to say fight or flight mode because that makes it seem like it's about to have like a panic attack, but like you are on the best version of yourself because you go into that instinctual mom mode and you're like, I'm Mm going to do the best for my baby. And I can't, I can't have anything be messed up right now. Nothing can be imbalanced. So a lot of women do feel that way. And I, truth be told, thought I would feel that way. I thought I was going to be like, you know what? I, I, it's impossible that I'm going to ever have a manic episode. It's impossible that I'm ever going to feel bad because it's just going to trick the baby. You know, like I I'm fine. I've got this. I'm under control. Yeah. Um, and I'm so happy for you that you were, you know, okay. And you were great and you thrived. I'm sad that it happened afterwards for you, but I'm, I am happy for that experience for you because it's it's a roller coaster for so many women and you just hear mm-hmm. about it. and so many women also on a side note which I've also been getting because of the article have been reaching out and saying that they never had any mental health issues and all yeah. of a sudden they thought mm-hmm. it was just not even postpartum not even the inquinatico baby blues they thought oh I guess this is just what hormones are and they've been diagnosed with bipolar disorder while they're mid pregnancy Yeah. Well, and I almost feel like, well, yes, I have. And I do think that, you know, the women who seek treatment through therapy, because that is typically, you know, unless somebody is on medication, right. Similar, like what have we been talking about and say, you know, I know I'm at higher risk. I want to make sure that I'm on top of it and will engage with me for therapy throughout their pregnancy. They're more aware because they've dealt with mental health issues. Right. And I find that women who get diagnosed during pregnancy 
oh my gosh, my heart breaks for them because they're like, what is going on? Yeah. I never expected this. I never anticipated this and have a hard, harder time working through that while pregnant. Yes. Um, and it's quite an it unpleasant it experience easier for them before the baby comes like better. We kind of sure. know that then so that you can prepare because you're only taking care of yourself when you bring another, another person into the world, then it's like, okay, trying to navigate your own stuff and baby stuff. Yeah. And I think that also a lot of things that, that I've noticed and what I've seen and through friends, you know, opening up to me of them not even realizing that they had a postpartum anxiety disorder or depression, not being able to label it or, or point to it and be like, this is what this feeling is. Because everything you read, even in these like silly apps that I have, right, that are like tracking like which week it is and how much you should weigh at this point and like what your baby like today, you know, one of them was like, the baby is the size of the lady in the tram spaghetti today. And I'm like, oh, okay, how is, thank you for the fun fact, but like, how is this really helping me today? Thank you very much. Um, But, but it is, it's a cute fun fact. Um, But I will say a lot of these women that I'm friends with, weren't even aware of anything going on. Cause in these apps, if you read afterwards, they're like, you may get something called the baby blues and they make it like very like singy songy, like cutesy, you know? <laughs> and I'm like the baby blues. Like I've seen these women go into such deep, dark depression. I've seen mm-hmm. women have the, you know, which was my biggest fear is, is bipolar psychosis and like Believing that your baby is a demon and, you know, wanting to take your own life, you know, and I'm, I'm just like where this is the things that are missing. And and I think that when I was doing the interview, you know, um, for the article, I, I was trying really hard to like get that point across of like, you can be as prepared as you want to be. But like Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, when I'm Googling bipolar and pregnancy at, you know, say 22 weeks. And then the only place that I'm finding any information is on Reddit through other women sharing their experiences and their experiences are pretty bad. Like mine, you know, while it's nice Mm -hmm. to know you're not alone, it's also where's there, there's no, there's no optimism. There's no help, you know? And, and Mm -hmm. it's, it's really tricky because there, there doesn't seem to be quite a lot of research when it comes to pregnancies in general, just with forget even mental well, health right, in general. Right. And, and thank you for bringing that up in terms of, and I have the same issue with this as, you know, there's a parallel component of like, um, alcoholic right. or not right. Major, um, postpartum depression or not. Right. The way I describe it is like postpartum depression is an umbrella a lot. And underneath totally. that could be postpartum anxiety, panic, OCD, psychosis, depression. You know, it's so many people think I didn't have postpartum depression. I didn't want to kill my baby or drown my baby underwater. It's like, oh, okay. That's an extreme case. And that happened. Sure. But there's all this other stuff in between, which is why a lot of times women will say, I might've had it. I don't know. I never told anybody about it. You know, the idea is we know ourselves best and intuitively we know if something doesn't feel right or it feels right. off. Right. And so we don't need to compare ourselves with like, like I use the alcohol component, like, well, it's not like I drank during the day. I don't have a problem. Right. No, it's like, no, but you drank most nights and yeah, you know, and you, you weren't were the same person numbing you yourself. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Yes. And so it's the same thing with any kind of mental health component that 
the baby blues suck too. You know, a lot of crying and just not feeling well and, you know, um, not sleeping, but it usually passes after two weeks once your hormones adjust. When it goes past that two weeks, that's where you get into more of a diagnosis of any kind of postpartum mood disorder. Well, and don't they also say like there was something else? I don't see. This is when pregnancy brain really kicks in. And I feel like this whole season, people are going to be like, my God, she's been pregnant a long time because (laughs) that's how many episodes I have. Um, But um, hopefully by this point, baby's out and we're like, good. But but my brain is going, um, I can't remember who, who said it or where I read it or whatnot. But they also said that sometimes it can come a year after because it's when you stop breastfeeding. So a lot of women breastfeed for a really long time and that could happen too. I mean, I don't know if my boobs have it in me to do that for a whole year, but I do know some women that do. And, you know, it's just that, that change as well must be just kind of just jarring for, for women, you know? Yes. Yes. And any of those milestones, you know, sending your child to daycare or a nanny's coming and you're going back to work or staying home. I mean, there's so many components. And so when I do a diagnostic assessment, it's looking at the whole picture, yeah. you know, of what makes us tick and and history that we have and things we're looking forward to or dread or how supportive our partner is or if we're doing it on right. our own. I mean, there's so it, it, it we've come a long way in terms of the field of mental health, but we still have so much further to go. Well, and there's and once again, the research, I mean, it's so hard for you to be able to research and and do the test on a pregnant person when it only lasts nine to 10 months. Like, you know, that's right, not a lot right. of time for, for, for science to really work its magic, you know? And as, mm-hmm. you know, my neuroscientist, you know, partner, friend on, on, on the pod here, David Haggerty says, you know, like they test the, the medication specifically for bipolar disorder on chick embryos. And they give the chick embryos, all the bipolar medicine, and then say, which one has a deformity? What are the odds, right? But you can't mm-hmm. check what the mental health is of that chick, right? I mean, how you, we're going to find that out. You're not going to see what happens in 15 years, you know? Right, there, So, right. you know, it's like, yeah, okay, great. So there is research, sure, but there's research to just physical deformities. We're not talking about mental you know, mental issues that may come along with it, right? You know, so I think Mm -hmm. that that's where Mm -hmm. a lot of women are so scared, especially ones that have lived with mental illness before, where they're like, I know the odds of my child having this just because genetics, I don't want to add or make that worse. Or like, what if uh, that one thing, I mean, God, I say this every episode, but think about it. Like you can't have a Pepto-Bismol because it's going to kill your child. You know what I mean? And you can't have a raspberry leaf tea until the end. Otherwise your child dies. You know, it's like the fear that's instilled in you all day long Mm -hmm. of like, Mm -hmm. and there have been moments where I literally forget I'm pregnant and I'm like, why am I forgetting? There are 30 pounds on my stomach right now. Like I should not forget, but there've been moments where I forget and I'm like, oh, oh my God, did I do this? Like, like, as if like I ever would have done that before. Like I never would have, but it's just like the fear kicks in 24 hours a day. What would you say to some of your clients who are like me in this situation that are so fearful and are trying to continue on like a normal pregnancy, but are Mm -hmm. so like overly sensitive and overly aware of things going on? 
Well, and the hypervigilance of it, you right. know, of wanting this to be making the perfectionism that the you're perfectionism. doing everything right. Exactly. Yeah. And sometimes I give them a reality check of like, unless you're drinking a case of Diet Coke a day, right. the Diet Coke probably isn't going to have much effect on the baby. Right. You know, I mean, I'm not an MD. No, so, but 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 so you're just putting well, things yeah, into perspective. Exactly. So it's like, yeah, if you had a couple rolls of sushi, that's okay. Your baby yeah. is not going to have, you know, mercury and, and have autism. And, you know, we go down these rabbit holes. And I think today too, because we know so much in utero yeah. that we didn't know before, you Which know, you scary. go through 20-week It is. It's like, we, you know, how big your baby is or, you know, any, there were spots on one of my baby's brains in the ultrasound. Mine and I, too. I like freeze it. And it worked itself out, you know, and it's like, it's very anxiety provoking. But it was terrifying. Yeah. 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 And and so I think to normalize and just try to use a whole health perspective of like, am I moving my body? How am I eating? Am I sleeping well? You know, that we only have so much control in this situation. And this is just a, this is practice for when they actually come out. Right. You know, that. A lot of it is actually out of our control. And the more we can go with the flow, the easier it's going to be. And a lot of the clients that I see are doctors and lawyers and are very type A personalities, you know, that want to control and manage and fix everything. Right. Um, But the best thing you can do is once you kind of lean in and relax to it and try to not feel like you're that responsible for the baby you're carrying, you're only part of that. Right then maybe it will take a little bit of the edge off. What do you say to prepare moms who are about to have babies, like with the birthing experience, seeing that you've done it four times, like I'm talking about the actual birthing, like I'm planning on doing a, a, you know, a natural birth, not at home, but in a hospital. But I mean, I'm not planning on having an induction. I'm not planning on having, you know, a epidural. I'm not planning on having a C-section. I'm trying my best to just be like, okay, you know what? I'm going to go in there and be as natural as possible. But I'm also aware that I may need to pivot and put that all aside and get that C-section if baby needs to come out. Like, we don't know, you know, right. I'm like, I'm very, I'm very like relaxed about it, but I will say I, in the past, like couple weeks, fear has taken over me of the pain and like of, I never had Braxton Hicks contractions until the very end. And a lot of Mm -hmm. my friends who are pregnant and, and, or who just had babies had them starting like in the second trimester where they could feel a little bit here and there. Like for me, it was like the last like, like week. I'm like, what is this? What does this mean? Like, I've never felt this before. And it's like, and it's a pain. And I guess, and it's interesting. I'm so happy that we're talking about this because I I said it last night to my husband. It was kind of like this aha moment almost where Mm -hmm. I said, I've been so focused on my mental health. I think throughout this whole pregnancy, and making sure mm-hmm. that I was as healthy I could possibly be mentally, right, to be able to take mm-hmm. care of the baby, mm-hmm. that I've never even thought twice that physically there would be any pain associated because there's mm-hmm. been so much mental pain throughout my whole life that that's always been my focus. Physical physical Ill, you know, ailments has never, never been my problem, knock on wood, right? Mm-hmm. But now mm-hmm. that I'm feeling actual pain, I'm like, oh, Wow, this is a this is a sensation I didn't know existed. Wow, I need to shift my mindset a little bit into going this is a real thing. 
I need to now focus on this and kind of like, you know, zone, get in the zone, right? So Mm -hmm. what would you say to someone like me, you know, if you had a client and preparing them for kind of the like, the trauma that's about to happen because it is, you know, it's mm. a painful trauma. It is. And and oftentimes people are referred to me by their OBGYN because they have a, had a traumatic birthing experience. Wow. wow. And so that can, our, our baby's birth story or our experience in that is something that some women need to process. Some people have really easy deliveries. Some are, you know, in labor for two days and end up with a C-section. Right. You know, I... I had four C-sections and I had really big babies. Um, Our oldest was 10 pounds. Oh my goodness. How cute though. (laughs) Oh my gosh. And I'm little, I mean, I'm five, three, you know, Kelly. And um, I know. And I delivered three of our four kids at UCLA, Santa Monica. Uh And I, I had this, like, I had, um, instrumental music and I had pictures when I went into the delivery yeah. room and I like, you had it all set up. Oh, everything was so Zen. And I was like, I'm having this natural birth and get me on the bouncy ball. Well, this baby wasn't coming out of my vagina after two days. No I never way. even went into labor, even after induction. Oh and so gosh. this vision and this idea of like, I felt like less of a mom because the baby didn't, right. I was like, well, I didn't do anything. I just laid on a table and somebody cut a baby. Out right. Of me. Right. You right, know, right. And I say that because my vision of what it was supposed to be was, was so, so different. different than what it actually was. Right. right. And I I was like, oh, yeah, they tell you to, like, be flexible. Anything could happen. But, you know, damn well, like, I wanted that natural, <laughs> organic yeah. birth. And it didn't happen that way. Wow. Um, and so today that's okay with me. But then, you know, right. and, like, I wanted the baby on my chest and I wanted to nurse right away. Well, no, they had to sew me back up and put me in the recovery room. And so I think it is about managing expectations, you know, like yeah. definitely have a vision. So when doctors ask, like, what's your birth plan? Sure. You know, like have that vision, but also say, but the end goal is a healthy baby, right? right. So however that baby gets here, that's a gladly welcome. Right. That's important. And, you know, maybe it's not the birth story that you thought it was going to be, but like it could be even that much better. You know what I mean? And, you know, you. Yeah. And who knows? And it's all about the safety, right? And I think that that's what I I keep trying to remind myself of like, whatever happens, happens, and it's all going to be for the best. And you really have to, you know, trust your doctors and trust the people or or your, the birthing center or your midwives, you know, you really have to trust the people that are around you um, to have your back. And I think it's super important, you know, whether or not you have a partner with you, you know what I mean? Uh, You know, that being my husband right now, but you have to have someone right now. I don't mean it like that. Pregnancy brain. But like, I know that I'll have him in the room. I know I have my mom in the room. I know that I have two people that have my back where if there's a moment where I can't consciously make a decision, not because I'm like knocked out, but I mean, if I'm so like dizzy, like at a blur of what's going on, right? I know I have two people that understand my words, what I want and what I need and what's the best for the safety mm-hmm. for myself and for my baby. And I think that that's so important that everyone find that, whether it be a grandparent, whether it be a friend, whether it be, you know, just that you trust your doctor, that you have enough conversations with them beforehand, that you, that they're aware of what to do. You know, I think I've yeah. scared my OB enough. You know, I, I, I laugh with him all the time because I think that we, 
uh, he's the top of the world and, and so excellent and so wonderful. And I came in real sassy and real hot. And I was like, I'm sure he's, he's dealt with a bunch of these before. And I was like, I want magic. I want woo woo. I want natural. Like, I don't believe in this. I don't believe in that. And he was like, right. Okay. Like, yeah, we can try that. But like, that's probably not what's going to happen. <laughs> Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, and two, why do we put these things on ourselves that, you know, I think something to think about too is for me, part of it was the shame of like, why am I sad? Like I have a healthy baby. I have a partner who loves me. You know, we're trying to figure this out. Isn't having a baby supposed to be the best time of your life? Right. You know, so, and then your boobs are leaking. I was going back to work. You know, I mean, all of the, I wanted to get back to my pre-pregnancy body. I mean, women have so many balls in the air and we're trying to keep them up. And so not only can mental health be um, chemical, but it's also a component of what's the exterior components that are contributing to your levels of stress. Sure. And are you trying to do it all? And, and feel like for me, the reason I turned to alcohol was because I couldn't keep my head above water. And it was the only thing that provided me relief. Right. So I also think that's why I felt so amazing during my pregnancies was because I didn't have alcohol. Right. So I had like a trial area for, for time for nine months before I ended up getting sober. Wow. So that, but you know, you're not the first story that I've actually heard like this either, like not on this podcast, but I I've heard that a lot of times where women chose to keep having babies because it was the only way they could stop drinking. And it was like, it was a coping mechanism. And, you know, I mean, Mm -hmm. and they wanted the babies anyways, but I mean, it's not like, not like that, you know, but, but it was, it was a way to kind of, you know, disassociate and just be like, okay, I'm just going to focus on this. So I don't think about the alcohol or I don't think about Mm -hmm. the drugs. Um, Mm -hmm. that's a very, very, you know, a a story that I've heard many times before, and it's just so brave that you're talking about it. And I think it's so wonderful. Um, Mm -hmm. it's just, it's incredible. I really, I really feel that way. What would you say, you know, is your, you know, you have a book, first of all, which I want to talk about too, um, which is so amazing. Um, tell us all about the book. It's, it's your autobiography and I want to hear more about that. And then I'm going to ask a few more questions. (laughs) Sure. So um, I always knew I wanted to write a book. I had some, um, I grew up above my parents' bar in Chicago. As the oldest oh my God, how cool. <laughs> oh, I love that. So yeah, there's a lot of grit and character in that. But, um, you know, alcohol was a huge part of my life and it was totally normalized. Um, and I had had some experiences with sexual abuse and sexual assault and something that really helped me cope was journaling. And so I always knew I wanted to write a book, but when I started writing it, I wasn't yet sober. Um, And myself, an autobiography of survival, really takes readers through different parts of mental health, post-traumatic stress disorder and negative coping mechanisms, positive coping mechanisms. Um, The most amazing thing about the book is that um, my husband is a Chicago actor and we adapted the the book into a short film on women's mental health. Oh my God. Fabulous. um, Yes. It, it, and you know, maybe when um, you have your own baby, you want to 
play me in the movie. Yes. So. <laughs> yes. We'll make yes. a feature. I'm so down. You tell me when. <laughs> I'll pop this baby out real fast and we'll get it going. <laughs> and then, you know, and so my husband played a, a version of him. It's, it's yeah. um, a fictional film right. that is based on a true story. Right. So um, it has just opened up the the dialogue not only for me and feeling less alone because that was part of my journey and my healing process, but to connect with other women and partners to say, Oh my gosh, thank you for saying that. Like your article and people, it's like, yes, thank you. Thank you for sharing your story because storytelling saves lives. And I remember as a college student going to Barnes and Noble and sitting in the self-help section and reading about women who had gone through things that I was currently going through and feeling less alone. Wow. Wow. And I, I, that's how I felt. I felt for me, hearing Carrie Fisher's story, that was kind of the first person that I had really um, heard was living with bipolar disorder and was openly talking about it. And at the time I was, you know, diagnosed, I was on a sci-fi show. And so it kind of all like, was like, oh, this like weird, like it's, it's, it's synchronicity that kind of like happened. It was like really cool. Mm-hmm. And I never got to meet her, but her story changed my life, you know, because it truly made me believe like, oh, wow, you can still be successful. You can still be smart. You can still be a badass and be able to mm-hmm. do all of these things and be a loving person. And people can love you for who you are just because you live with a mental illness doesn't change mm-hmm. that fact. Um, because you feel that's something that I, I mean, maybe that's just me, but I felt like so unlovable, like who could love someone that that wants to go through that or that not wants to, that has to go through these struggles, you know? Um, how can mm-hmm. you stick by mm-hmm. someone's side going through all this? Um, and so I think that, yes, there is nothing important than storytelling. So when I read, mm-hmm. you know, other people sharing things, it doesn't matter if you're famous. It doesn't matter if you're just from, you know, the neighbor down the street. It's knowing yeah. that you're being heard, you know, and that mm-hmm. you're not alone in this 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 life, you know, and in mm-hmm. this journey. You know, I used to hate the word journey. And I feel like since getting pregnant, I say it more than <laughs> ever. But I'm like, okay with it now because I'm like, it is what it is. Like, this is not like some like spiritual journey, woo woo, like whatever. It is a fucking journey like yeah yeah (laughs) what would you give advice to to new moms you know who have maybe gone through and have now lived through the postpartum anxiety depression stage they're starting over right they're like trying to get themselves back what do you say to those women I think that's a big fear of mine is you know the adjustment of going back to work, like getting my life back in order. Like, what would you say to those, mm-hmm. those, those ones that are out there? I, I would say, be gentle with yourself. You know, there's this yeah. whole idea of, you know, good moms put their kids first and good moms right. do X, Y, and Z. And whether you hear that or you tell yourself that, or it's the mother you grew up with, or it's the mother of your significant other, it's like, there is no right way to do this. Right. And even as a mom with multiple kids, I do it different of my children. Yeah. Um, and so it's not like this whole thing about like mom guilt and doing stuff for yourself is a bunch of bullshit. It's like, like 
unless you as a, a parent are doing okay, and this goes for dads too, or yes, yeah. you know, people who are in same sex relationships having babies. It's right. like you have to pass the baton because if the parent isn't feeling grounded, then nothing the wheels seem to fall off. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's like, don't feel guilty about going to take a nap or you know, going for a walk and leaving your baby at home. Like you have to do those things because that resets and recharges. And that is something that I feel firmly about, you know, this whole mom self-care idea that, you know, it's not just taking a bath. It's saying no to something you don't want to do, or it's asking for something that you feel a little embarrassed to ask for, you know, um, like staying at a hotel by yourself overnight. <laughs> no, to- I no, I totally understand that. And I totally agree with that. And I think that it's important. I have a lot of friends that, that are actresses that I've talked to about this in the sense of, I'm like, when did you go back to work? Like, when was it okay? And they were like, yeah. Uh, as soon as I got the job, you know, I mean, yep. really, you know, yep. you, you have to, and I'm someone that's like, oh, so controlling where I'd be so nervous. Like forget even my husband or my mom. Like I would be like, oh my God, like, I don't think I can trust, you know, a stranger like babysitting my child when I'm on set. And it's like, but why, you know what I mean? Like I need to be able to be the ve- best version of myself. I need to be able to be a strong independent woman, you know, to show my baby like, hey, you can do this too. You know what I mean? And this is what it's mm-hmm. supposed to be. And I still love you and you're still the most important thing in the world. But like, I got to feed you, you know? <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. And and it makes kids more adaptable. <laughs> well, Kelly, I just have to say like, you are just such a bright light. And I feel like this conversation has been so wonderful. And so many women are going to be just so heard by you. I think that your story is so important. And I think that, you know, also I think the story of you going through these four pregnancies and then going through your sobriety, I think is just so badass. And I I just, I thank you for that. And I thank you for being open about the fact that each pregnancy had its own journey and had its own story and that you have to learn to completely change your mindset when you go into a hospital just because you think it's going to go one way doesn't mean it's going to go that way. Like it's going to be a completely different story and you're just going to have to roll with the Mm -hmm. punches and be all right with it. And thank you, like as someone who's going through this right now and living with a mental illness, like being a support system to other women out there, you know, your clients, you know, it's Mm -hmm. really hard. It's really hard. And you can't do it alone. And it really takes a whole gaggle of people, you know, to be on your team when you're pregnant. And it is expensive as shit. And it is, (laughs) you know, and it's, I'm not denying that, you know, and it's, it's ridiculous that it's so expensive because it shouldn't be for so many women out there. But just a conversation like this is helping with so many others out there who are going through the struggle that I'm going through right now that you went through four times. Like that's, Mm -hmm. that's the Mm -hmm. importance of it. But I want to ask you my final question. What is your emotional support? Oh my gosh, my husband. Oh, (laughs) he, I know, you know, we, we have been married almost 18 years and, um, it's been rough. He's an actor. You know what that life looks like. Oh, I know. Job. What's your, um, you know, go and meet the 
me going back to work six weeks postpartum because we can't both not be working, right. you know, if there wasn't anything going on. So um, we've done a lot of work together and it's not perfect, but there were times that, you know, I want women to hear too, that like in the height of some of my postpartum moods, um, I wanted to get divorced. I thought about leaving all of it. And um, thank God for medication, because I think it helped me yeah. get my feet back on the ground and be like, wait, that's not that that actually might not be a good idea. But that's um, a very common so yeah. thought. That's a very common. It thought. is. I hate my husband. I, I don't want to be a part of this. What am I doing? There's no going back. Well, you know, and don't you find that it's also like not to like totally take over this this question, but I I, I resonate so well with this when you said that, <laughs> because I feel like I, uh, you know, there's the control of I've I'm carrying this baby. I'm the one doing all the work. I know how to handle this you're just pissing me off at this point and you're just adding to the struggle. Like once you just uh-huh. t- take a step away, you know what I mean? You, yeah. you forget that. Yeah. And I think that's with, with needing medication or without needing medication. I think that right. you get this power, right? You're like, I'm a mm-hmm. badass. Like I am, a, I made a baby. Yes. Like I can like yes. hold this baby inside me. I'm the one that's in charge. Like you don't know, you're not feeling these things. Like, and I think that it's that that once again, the trickery of the mind, you know, of, of yeah. I can do this alone and I'd probably do a better job because I'm in control, you know? Yeah. Oh, those were my exact thoughts. And, Fun. and, and wait till the baby gets here because the biggest adrenaline rush feeling like the biggest badass, you know, in initially, I think, yeah. um, for a lot of women and it's, I've heard a lot of women say, I, I feel more confident being a mom, you know, and so I think our partners can create a lot of stress and anxiety, especially right. if they're not doing it the way we want them to right. um, when we think we know best. But my personality, I think, is very similar to yours. And my husband, Ryan, is more grounded and um, laid back. So yeah. that's a really good balance. And the things that we struggle with in parenting, we usually complement each other. Um, so that's been a huge support for me. Oh, I absolutely love that. Kelly, how can everyone get your book? It's available on Amazon. It's available on your website. We'll have that all. Yeah, it's it's exclusively on Amazon. It was an Amazon bestseller, um, after I shared my story on the Today Show and order it now. 